0: Well, hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, August 4th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by State Insurance in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm Jim Chesko, Chet to most. My radio partner, Bill Furman, will be on with us in just a little bit. And we will be talking lots of Eagles this week, as well as Phillies with two amazing guests. And, oh, I'm going to give away this badly damaged Carson Wentz doll also. I'm going to give that away to our 11th caller. I'm just kidding. We don't take calls, and I don't think anybody would want this guy. Anyway, get out of here. Anyway, our guest back for a fifth time in six years is the one and only Bill Bradley. He is a Philadelphia Eagles great, played eight years for the Birds from 69 to 76, I believe. And he is just awesome. And I can assure you that he will also be talking about one of his former teammates at great length because that former teammate, the six foot eight, star wide receiver from the birds back in the day harold carmichael is going into the hall of fame this weekend and we're all happy for big harold and then in the second half hour we're going to have another guest for you he is a first time visitor to our show he's a co-host of the high hopes podcast you hear him on wip with john marks and ike reese most afternoons it's this guy jack fritz we look forward to talking with Jack about all things Phillies and whatever else we get to. And, of course, we will put him in the Fast Five hot seat along the way as well. So, big show coming your way. As I said, Bill Furman will be here at some point. And in fact, he was he was part of this interview that we did with Super Bill. Because, yes, full disclosure, we pre-taped our chat with Bill Bradley just to make sure there weren't any technical glitches like there were last week. So, uh, that being said, let's get to it. Let's get going with old number
1: 28. All right. We are happy to welcome back, as always, Super Bill Bradley. Bill, welcome back. Hopefully, life is good in Texas.
2: Thank you very much. I'm sitting down at a buddy of mine's house, David Sisler, and we're having a couple of toddies (laughs) to get our mind right. Nice.
0: Well, hey, Bill, we got lots to talk about, so let's get to it. Uh, Nice to see your smiling face. We didn't do that in your past visits. And you are the greatest Eagle to wear number 28. I don't know if you know that, but you are officially the greatest Eagle to wear number 28. Well,
2: thank you. That's nice to hear because everybody else has forgotten about it.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, we didn't forget. (laughs) Well, Bill, the Eagles have just opened training camp. You had four head coaches during your eight years with the Eagles. Was Dick Vermeels in 1976 the toughest?
2: Oh, yeah. He was he was a grinder, but a wonderful man. And uh, I played for him for a year, and then uh, he traded me to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bud Grant was the head coach there. And I went there at 32 going on 33 years old. And I was almost a rookie. Everybody from Purple People leaders to Friend Tarkenton were up in their mid-30s to 40s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and I went through training camp, and I had a really good training camp. And then uh, Bud was not going to get rid of the safety that was there. And so they let me go at the very end of training camp, and then I I sat at home with with a uh, contract that I was still getting paid for. And uh, so then at the very four games left in the season, I was sitting around my 86-acre hay farm, and uh, Jerry Wilson called me. And he's the old safety for the St. Louis Cardinals and was my idol growing up because I saw him make interceptions with two broken hands on national TV one time. And so he called me as the gym and said, Bill, uh, 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 Mike Sensiball has gotten hurt and our punters hurt and I want you to come to the Cardinals now and you'll be starting next weekend. And I had gone through about four teams by then and I was still getting paid. So I said – I'm not going to do it. You ain't, you don't know what I've been through for the last four or five weeks. He's, and then he said, Bill, I need you here. I said, do you promise on a stack of Bibles that if I come there, I'll be starting as a punter and as a safety? And Jerry said, I promise. And he held to his promise. I went there and started the last four games for him and punted and, and played safety. And uh, so I lettered with the Cardinals for my last year.
1: Hey, well, how about – uh, as a, especially more as a veteran, how's it like training for training camp? Is it is it the grind that we think it is? I mean, oh do- yeah,
2: it's. I still get a little sickness every time that uh, it's about time to start training camp from junior high, <laughs> you know, camp, junior high, high school, college, and then the pros, and every time I get around cut grass because I didn't have a whole lot of you know, uh, uh, astroturf and stuff like that then. So every time I get around grass this time of the year I almost start throwing up <laughs> <laughs> but because you know the heat's on and you're fixing to grind it out with two a days but I love so you know it's just in my later days I almost throw up every summer about this time thinking about going to two a days <laughs> and Dick, Dick like you said earlier Dick was yeah. a, he, he he was he was changing the as they say now the culture at Philadelphia And he did, and then naturally, I left there and then went to the cars. And a year later, uh, they all went to the Super Bowl, and uh, and I got to miss that unfortunately. But but that's just the way the climate is. And when you're, because I've I've been coaching now for almost thirty two years, so I understand the decisions you got to make. Back then, I didn't understand it as a young man, and was a little ticked off about it. But after having coached now for a number of years, I can see. You know the the decisions that had to be made, and uh, and Dick changed the culture around there. So, and it did well because he took the 1980 team to the Super Bowl. Sure, but they were it. still going two days and stuff in New Orleans when they were playing the Super Bowl, and they were just worn out, and they lost that game.
0: Well, hey, Bill, I know uh, one of the guys on that team is an old friend of yours, and I know where you're going to be this weekend, a certain city in Northeast Ohio. And a certain tall, legendary wide receiver is going to be there getting inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Tell me about the awesome Harold Carmichael.
2: Oh gosh, he he was un, he, you know, he played college ball as a basketball player and athlete. Best athlete I'd ever been around at 6'7. He could still run a sub-4840 at 6'7. And he, this guy could catch balls with one hand. Almost with his ears, he was such a good catcher. And, uh, gosh, he was just – and we got to know each other really well. And all those guys, Harold Jackson, me, John Bunning, Bill Berge, and and uh, all those guys, we still get together. As a matter of fact, we're going to get together at Canton and, and stay at a hotel, about 13 of us, from Keith Crefley to, uh, to all those guys I just mentioned. And I think Dick's going to have a hospitality suite. Nice. And no, nobody's off limits there to get jabbed at. And that's <laughs> what we love about it
1: it. it. it doesn't sound like you're going to have any fun with all those no, guys. No.
2: We're, we're <laughs> going to be boring. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so much fun. I just, I can't wait. And I just went to my high school uh, reunion. We had this past weekend in Palestine, Texas, and we had about 15 to 20 of us, the ones that didn't get, shot at and killed in, in Vietnam or had a heart attack later on. Uh, we get together every year, and it's just a blast because we had won the only state high school championships at our high school, of Palestine Fighting Wildcats, won. And so it, we get together, and it's like we never have been apart. And it's just all that group from UT, from high school to UT to the Eagles. I have some of the best friends in my life that I played ball with we went through some a lot of training and a lot of bumps and bruises and wins and losses. And it's just wonderful.
1: Hey, Bill, so, you, uh, you have had a great run, I guess, of coaches. And you said you've been coaching yourself, but in reading the book that I just finished up, uh, the boys got it right, which you are basically the star of the book, uh, with a lot of Pennsylvania ties to that with the big, with the big 33 game and all that. But, uh, I found it interesting as a high school player, on that team, you were pl- being coached by Bobby Lane and Doak Walker, uh, two legend- football legends. Of course, then you went on to Daryl Royal, and then you go to the NFL, and you bounce around with those guys. You end up b- with Bud Grant, uh, another Hall of Famer. Your life has been surrounded by football legends.
2: Oh, gosh, and even my dad back at home, he played double-A ball in baseball, uh, and he was a baseball coach for almost – 30 years and he won a championship 27 out of the 30 wow. from Wee league, to little league to uh, pony league, to semi pro league. When I was 15 years old in Palestine, I was playing semi pro baseball with the Palestine pals. Now listen to this list. Boo Quarles played with the St. Louis Cardinals. They made a movie about Wayne Bull Durham, Wayne Durham. I, I got to groom my life around baseball. So I got drafted out of high school in the seventh round by the Detroit Tigers to play double A ball in Montgomery, Alabama. And I went down there and got homesick for my girlfriend, had to get 25 grand back in 1965. That was a lot of money. But I did get a scholarship to to Texas. I took a scholarship at Texas then and then started going the football route and got drafted by the Eagles in 69 in the third round as a punter slash player. And by the way, that book is is correct. It was the first time that 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 our Segregated All-Star Game allowed African-American guys to play in it, and that's how Jerry and I really became the greatest friends, and that's how that book got written. I understand it that it may be a movie with the climax, the climate that the U.S. is going through right now. Some for the lives that matter, uh, it, they say it's going to be a movie in and around sometime 22, maybe. Jim Dent is a great writer. He wrote the Junction Boys, the Twelve Mighty Orphans. Uh, he wrote a book about uh, Jerry Jones. He's written some really good books, and uh, but in reality, during that time, I penned it. I, I I basically wrote it on my front porch for a couple of years because because Jim Dent would meet with me all the time. We'd sit on the front porch, and he penned it with his own idea, and it became a bestseller in a lot of markets.
0: Well, I saw a piece about you several years ago and it said a quote from you. I have had recess every day of my adult life. It's been (laughs) like an unbelievable movie. So I got to ask, are you still having fun?
2: Oh yeah. Still having fun. I I just got through coaching with June Jones and some of those names in football that, that, uh, and then I just got through coaching this past year with the, uh, with the, the houston blues we had the tsl the spring football i've coached in every fl literally <laughs> every fl known to man from the cfl to the to the uh, well the usfl is when i started and then i went through a bunch of fls and i went to the cfl for about oh almost eight years and i went to the nfl for about eight years and and now I'm just coaching the leagues to try to get guys back to the NFL. The TSL was spring league. And so we had the Southern division in Houston, which had four teams and the Northern division in uh, Indianapolis, which had four teams and we had Fox sports. So that was a pretty good deal. And they just played the mega bowl, not too long ago. And, so I've been in every FL, every FL known to man, and it has been a great education. And I have a wonderful wife because basically she's a football widow, as we say. And she's just a wonderful lady. And she, as a matter of fact, if I don't get a job sometimes, she, after a while, she'll come and say, Bill, don't you have a camp or a coaching gig you can go do? <laughs> she, she wants me to hit the road, you know, sometime to get away.
1: Well, Bill. Speaking of your time in Philly, uh, I read it. Just finished reading another book, which you also got another part part of a chapter in too, called <laughs> "The Secret Apartment." Oh uh, yeah,
2: isn't that great, Tom Lard Garvey? I nicknamed Lard Garvey. Uh, would you like for me to talk about that? Yeah, go ahead. Because well, I, I, well, well when Tom came back from Vietnam. his uncles were the nylon brothers and the nylon brothers had all the concession along the East coast pro, uh, uh, facilities, uh, from, from down to Baltimore, all the way up to New York with the jets, the Eagles, the, the Colts and all that kind of stuff. So his uncle had all the concessions and parking. So Tom came back from, uh, from Vietnam, and he was kind of not a lost soul, but he was looking for things to do. So he went, his uncle, Jim Nylon, he, he hired him to handle all the parking at the Spectrum for basketball, at the vet, for uh, for football, because he could trust him. And Tom always had a lot, because parking was cash money. And Tom was one of the most honest people, and his and his uncle hired him to just run the parking and that sort of stuff at all the events from the spectrum to, to the, to Franklin, not Franklin field, but the vet. And then on down the line, they did those jobs in Philly. And he, he you know, parking, when they have a, a 70,000 people coming to a stadium in a lot of cars, he's, he's handling a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. And so his uncle could trust him because he was such an honest man. Well, then Tom roller skated all over the, the vet, he went all up and through there when no, nothing was happening there. And so that's where we started hanging out that South Philly and and center city. And I, and I got to meet Tom, he found a place right up in there where they stored some, you know, hamburger buns, hot dog buns and stuff. And the, and the door actually looked like you could open the door and he always kept it crowded in there with boxes of different things for the, uh, for the food beverage. But then once you cleared it, you had a secret pars- po- you had a secret passageway to his apartment. And we had that thing decked out with antique furniture and all that, but everybody <laughs> thought it was just a storeroom. Yeah. So it became Tom Garvey's secret apartment at the vet and a lot of fun went down in there.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you know I, I got thinking, uh, c- connecting the dots from the last t- one of the last times we had you on. You were talking about the night that uh, the Flyers won the Stanley Cup. But you oh, and Dempsey, God. you and Dempsey were at the vet with this <laughs> statue deal, and I thought they were probably in the secret apartment that night. They snuck out when they start. When they got out, they started. Oh yeah, uh, but
2: when we knew we left early because I had parked my car at the Eagles entrance, <laughs> and th- and they needed the. The the Flyers, the Broad Street Bullies won, and I knew that was going to be some kind of celebration, man, because they were starving for a championship. So Tom came up, and he was going to park right underneath there where where we park usually when we'd go work out at the vet. I leaned over the second-level railing, and I said, Demp, do not park your car there. Go way around back over there by this street and the the cyclone fence over by the interstate there or the, the highway. And I said, park that big old Sabre Buick of yours over there because when they come out of here, it's going to be mayhem and they're going to march all the way up to Franklin, Ben Franklin statue on the city building. And sure <laughs> enough, we did it and we were sitting up there having some beer and they had just imported some uh, uh, statues that some guy had done in Europe. And they beautiful statues. They're still around the field there. And since the vet's gone, they put them in different spots around the field. And so we were sitting up underneath that one. And Dempsey and I went up there to sit. And, and all of a sudden that game was over. We went right over there and watched. They came over to, because we were so bad with the Eagles, they came over. And Leonard Toast had parked his limousine under there by the Philadelphia entrance, the, the Eagle entrance to the vet. And so all this melee of group just came up and they marched. There was thousands of people marching up Broad Street to the center city partying. Well, they saw Tosa's limousine over there. And of course we weren't very good. They come over there in a group and start rocking this limousine and they rolled it two or three times. It looked like it had just been taken to a, to a wrecking yard and munched up in one of those machines. And we watched all that happening. And so right after that, we were just hanging out there and waiting for everything to clear, and so they had an old statue that we were sitting on the foundation of it. And looked up, I didn't know we were sitting under it. We we're looking up on the foundation. I said, Dempsey, look at that old '40s football player up there." I said, "He looks kind of like you, except his foot's good. You know, he didn't have a half a foot." Right. And so I said, "We're going to make that statue." They so "We hired everything cleared out. We hired a." We hired a welder to come up to cut that foot off and, and put an end on it so it looked like Dempsey. And Dempsey was all in on it. So we did it about about, you know, 1 or 1.30 in the morning. This cop comes rolling up on the second level seeing what was happening up there. And, and he, he had a billy club in his hand, one of Rizzo's finest, by the way, Frank Rizzo. And so he was clapping it in his hand, what are you boys doing up there, up here? And he looked at me, and he looked at Dipsy. He says, "Aren't you Tom Dipsy?" And and he said, "Aren't you Bill?" I said, "Yes, sir." We just wanted to make this statue Tom needed because they weren't going to leave anything for him, and he was such a great kicker, had a record, you know, for the longest. And they said, the guy said, "Well, I tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm not going to arrest you because that you'll probably get done with your football career." I said, "But what you got to do is get that welder to come back, and you got to get him to." weld that that half a foot back on that statue and then you got to slag it you got to make it clean and all that stuff and he says and i'm not going to say a word about it so we did that and for years i'd take people by there and you could see where the where we had welded that thing back and cleaned it up that it had been cut off you could tell but it didn't look you had to go look closely at it so that's another uh, one. Dempsey and I's claimed the fame. God blessed him. He, he he got lost to the coronavirus here last year. Yeah. yeah. Bill, I
0: got two more things I got to get you to talk Am about. Am I talking too much? You're You're a talker, but that's okay. All right. First thing, uh, Harold Carmichael, this week, hall of fame, you've been honored, you know, numerous times, and you're going to be honored this fall. I believe it's uh November, the Philadelphia sports hall of fame will induct several new members on November 4th, including Rip Hamilton, the Coltsville player who went to the NBA, Mark Recky, the former flyer, the late Phillies manager, Dallas green. And yeah, a couple of great Eagles, Seth Joyner and you, that's a pretty nice honor bill.
2: Oh, thank you. I take it as a great honor because, uh, it's just neat, you know, and, and so I'm going up there and, and then I've got to do a panel another week or two. Uh, and, and I'm going to get to go stay with a friend of mine that just made contact. And I'm going to be on a panel in northeast Philly. And then I, I've got to go back whenever they induct people into the Eagle Hall of Honor. Uh, I get to go back for all that. I love Philly. Philly's my city, man. I mean, and people love me And my, one of my claim to fames there. Is that not 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 leading the league and getting Oscars for being the leader of interceptions two years in a row first and last person or the first person to do it to all that kind of mess. And so I get to go back and man, I just I just love doing it. And one of my claims to fame is from Franklin Field to the vet. I was a lunch pail guy, a punter first, and then ended up being a safety and a returner and a holder and all that stuff. I never got booed at Franklin field or the vet. And I claim <laughs> that as my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, and, it is. The and then the other, the second one is the fact that I was a cardboard cutout this past season <laughs> when they had it. I did not know that. Oh yeah. I was a cardboard cutout. I've been showing that picture to everybody.
0: Bill, I got to ask you about this because I've heard this rumor, this legend. Ray Didinger has been on with us numerous times He's a fan of our show for some reason, but he's also a fan of you and an old friend of yours, and we never talked to him about this, but according to his radio partner, Glenn Macnow, you and Ray Diddy, during his early years as a reporter, would often kind of go out and paint the town and have some good times. I need oh, God, Ray,
2: Ray is still a great friend of mine, and we, get, we, <laughs> we can't even tell stories. We get to laugh so darn hard on the dang telephone.
0: Ray was a party animal, is that right?
2: Uh, he wasn't a party animal, <laughs> but he was getting close. <laughs> he, he, we could hear him growling a little bit as an animal would. <laughs> Boy, what a wonderful guy. And uh, yeah. fa- and he's, we, he and I still talk. As a matter of fact, he's doing the forward and they're writing a new book about me. Huh. A guy that wrote the book about the Phillies. And he he's doing the forward in that thing, and he's I've seen the forward. And it's really neat, man. It's, and Ray's just a great guy. Of course, Ray was always honest. He didn't. He 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 was probably one of the most honest sports writers you could talk to back then, because you could trust him to put it in like you wanted it to, or like like the real way was. And there was no, you know, nobody ever got mad at. He was just so honest and so great to interview that that. I love to be interviewed by him because it was always going to be a really fair article and a neat one on top of that. And he knows where all the bodies are buried. <laughs>
1: is there any more information on that book because it's funny you said that because i was just going to say my next thing up i was going to say to you is uh they ought to write a book about your life because there's another bill bradley thing i kind of stumbled <laughs> on um and it's the movie my all-american about freddie steinmark a, at the university of texas and you were a key player on that squad and and a bit in that movie as well you, you've well, that had movie a whole you've a full... great
2: light. And that was another Jim Dent movie. The The actual book was called courage beyond the game, but, uh, they just had a look, they never put the backstory in there. They just showed me it being kind of a cocky guy that got demoted. As a yeah, but it
1: showed you, it showed you in the end, coming back and uh, <laughs> being the team man that, uh, that got it all straightened out too.
2: <laughs> yeah. That was the, the part where. Where uh, I was captain of the team. And when I got demoted to wide receiver, and they only had one then, I think I was third team, but I did punt and hold and return punts. So when I got demoted in Coach Royal's office, I went in his office and he said, Bill, we're going to make some change because we were having some six, four seasons and he was about to get fired. Stuff rolls down the hill, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he called me in his office after we lost to Texas Tech. We were 0-1-1. And he says, my senior year, he said, Bill. We're going to make some changes around here, and we're going to start with you. So I I called home right after that meeting with Coach Royal, and I said, Cephas, my dad's nickname was Cephas. I said, Cephas, I think my life's over with down here at the University of Texas. I'm going to hitchhike home. And he got all – of course, he was a baseball coach and a hard-drinking railroad man. So anyway, I said, Cephas, I think my life's over with down here at school. I'm going to hitchhike home. And it got real silent for me. For 10 minutes and that's a long time on the phone just nobody's saying anything. as I expected some reaction finally I said daddy you still there he said the thing that came out of his voice and this meant it ended up being something that just led me the rest of my life and I said Cephas you still there and he said his words were to hell you are he said you're not quitting the Bradleys don't quit, and if you quit and come home, you don't have a home here. And that's when I turned it around went out to practice the next day and unloosed my – my. and I was captain of the team and everything. We had every media, print media and everything, you know, oh. uh, local TV stations, Newsweek, Time, Sports Illustrated was there to see how Superbill was going to take this demotion. And after talking to my dad, I went out there and and my best friend took my job, James Street, and then won a national championship. And we ripped off the rest of the games. And we went 9-1-1 and annihilated Tennessee in the Cotton Bowl and finished third in the nation. Well, the next year I was gone to the Eagle. James was a quarterback and they won a national championship. So I went out to practice the next day with all the media there and I said, James, I was in a pat-and-go line out there with the receivers, and I said, James, no matter what I do, throw the ball where I can catch it. And he said, oh, not a problem. So I go out and hit – nobody saw it. I, I undid my sweats, and we had on a T-shirt and just regular old football shoe. And I started running down there to catch a little easy-going pat-and-go throw. And I had – I did it on purpose because it was a tight – I mean, there you could cut everything with a knife. It was so tense. With all the media there and this and that and the other and so i started running and my pants came down to my ankle and all you when I, and it's in the movie that that fits yeah. yeah. in the movie and so when i caught him, all you could see was a jockey strap and a big old white butt <laughs> and so i looked around on the ground and coach royal had his clipboard in his hand way back there about 20 yards and he slapped that thing down on the ground I'm thinking oh my goodness and he started laughing his butt off and that was the day that I became as a captain I think I became the leader of that football team and I got you know I got drafted by the by the Eagles in the third round as a punter slash player yep Mm -hmm. and then uh, they finally traded Scarpatti who was my idol Cause he, he was the smartest young man in football back then as a safety. And so when they traded him, they inserted me. But before that we were in a game against the Cowboys and they were kicking our rear ends. And so I went over to Gummy car and I went over to Gummy, who was the D coordinator, who was on that 63 championship team by the, Eagles, by yeah. the uh, 60. Yeah. yeah with bed and Eric concrete, Charlie and all them. And I got to be friends with them later on. But anyway, we're playing Dallas, and I kept badgering him. Like, There's no way we were coming back, and I kept going over the side. I said, Gummy, Coach, why don't you put some of us rookies in so you can see if we can play or not? I ah, Get away from him. I'm trying to coach. and So finally I went over there in about the middle of the fourth quarter against the Cowboys. They were ahead of us so much that Staubach had just gotten back from the Navy doing his stint, and they had put him in the game to see what he could do, and they had just traded for a tight end named Mike Ditka. And he was in there. Well, we were blitzing in the free state test to come over and cover the tight end. So Gummy said, ah, oh, hell, just get in there, Bradley. <laughs> so the first play from the line of scrimmage, and, and uh, uh, Ray knows this story. It, it, they're, they're at the 46-yard line going in, and we're blitzing. I got to go come over and cover the tight end. Well, we're blitzing. and about to hit Staubach. He was in there because they were so far ahead. See what well, he, he – Ditka sees me coming right at him, and he straightens up. Well, back threw it to the spot, and I intercepted it and took it back for a touchdown. The first play from the line of scrimmage that I played as far as on defense. <laughs> so I went over to the sideline, and, and, and Gummy's going, Bradley, what in the heck are you doing? You, you're, you're way up by the line of scrimmage, you know, and, and your job was to come over off and play deep in case somebody got loose. And he kept bitching at me and bitching at me. And and finally, I kept the ball and I had it behind my back. And I said, Well, Gummy, you want me to give this back to him? (laughs) He said, Oh, Bradley, just get out of my (laughs) sight. Stay back there when you're supposed to.
1: Well, Bill, thanks again for coming on. And uh, good luck in Canton. Good luck with the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame as well. Well, When
2: you come into town, I I got some uh, great stories about the Phillies now because I was at every one of their games dating all the hot pants girls.
0: And there you have it, uh, the great Bill Bradley telling us lots of stories. We can't wait to have him back next year when he's going to tell us about dating the Phillies' hot pants patrol, the, the usherette. So that's going to be great. Bill, what do you think of uh, Super Bill? I can't hear you just yet, Bill. Let me see if I can
1: unmute you. There you go. There you go. Hey, every every time uh, we have Bill Bradley on, it gets it's more and more fun, because he just, yeah. he just keeps telling great stories, and the more you dig into the man's life, he's he's had a heck of a time.
0: Yeah, we can't wait to uh, no talk have to him again. I know he's going to have a great weekend up out in Canton. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Yep, uh, Bill, I'm going to tell you about insurance right now. while you try to get yourself connected there properly? We're okay. going to talk about all states pay as you go insurance, Bill. Um, Allstate's pay-as-you-go insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent in Westchester, Pennsylvania. That, of course, is David Lavoie. Call Dave in Westchester at 610-430-0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. And you can save more now that you are driving less. Hey, everybody.
2: It's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Silly Press Box Radio. You lucky people.
0: Bill, I hope you can hear me because you were uh, cutting out there. Yeah, we may not be able to get you, Bill. You're down uh, wherever you are in Florida, and we're having trouble connecting with you. So... I'll keep you there, but I don't know if it's you now. Uh, not very well.
1: Your hot okay. spot is we'll not very bring, hot. All right, well, go ahead and bring on our new guest, Jack Fritz, and uh, I will continue to try to get myself straightened out here.
0: <laughs> there you go. Hey, come on, Bill. Guest. <laughs> I know, it. hey Jack, welcome to our little show every once in a while we have a little technical glitch. You know how that is you work in the radio business. uh, Bill is at some hot spot down in Florida while he's working. He's taking a break, so anyway, Jack, first things first, the Phillies made a few moves last week. A couple of little mute moves. They acquired a couple of pitchers, plus Freddie Galvis giving up Spencer Howard in the process, moving Ranger Suarez into the starting rotation. nothing earth shattering but I kind of like what they did. Now I heard you on Saturday say you weren't all that impressed with those moves. So tell me.
3: Yeah, I kind of just felt like with Spencer Howard that they sold about as low as possible um, on a guy uh, that three months before was their number one prospect in the entire system. So um, you know, just they've given them, they've given Vince Velasquez, you know, six years to try to figure it out, and uh, to give up on Spencer Howard that quickly for a guy that's kind of been fine his entire career and then this year he's obviously having in um an all-star caliber year and he's been great uh you know it just felt like they gave up very fast and um they they soured on him really quickly and um i if i was going to move spencer howard i would try to move him in a in a in a package for i would say a better pitcher you know a more controllable starter now i got that's just signed for one more year and i kind of just had this feeling of you know if you're going to give up spencer howard then do more like like do more if it, it He he was your number one pitching prospect uh, three months ago. You know, to give that guy up for a guy like Kyle Gibson who's fine but not overwhelming, Um, I just would have liked to see them go more in and, um, you know, really committed to this roster instead of kind of still doing the half in, half out thing.
0: I hear you. Hey, Bill, you are uh, still muted. Uh, Can you unmute yourself somehow? No? No. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Can you You hear me?
1: ask a question bill (laughs) all right hey well what what i did want to ask i heard the spencer howard conversation uh how do you like the new pitching staff and uh did you really think there was a possibility of getting cole Hamill's? uh you know it looks like he's headed to the dodgers
3: yeah so uh cole's a little disappointing i mean but at this point like he wasn't gonna be ready for a month the Phillies could be out of the race in a month um so do you really need to 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 go for him and and sign him and all that stuff i i still would have done it i probably would have done it after his first uh workout and not wait two weeks and then you know try to get him back and all that especially given how little it cost him um and then i do like the rotation um hopefully ethan can come back you know i am a little bit worried about him they keep pushing him back and um you know you just don't like to see that especially with a guy you know I think he's good when he's healthy. He's kind of taken a big step back recently, but that could have been injury related. But um, this is, I think, his third straight year with knee problems, and he's had um, knee surgeries on, on those knees, I uh, think, like two years ago. So, um, and this is just another one of those. So, I hope he comes back fine, hope he comes back healthy. But a one, two, three, four of, of Wheeler, and Nola, and I think Nola is definitely more back than what he was at the beginning of the year. Um, Kyle Gibson, who, again, I think is a good pitcher. Um, You you kind of saw in Pittsburgh what you wanted to see. A guy that got a ton of ground balls and was fine and, you know, pitched six innings and over 100 pitches and allowed three runs or less. Like, I'll take that every single day of the week from Kyle Gibson. Uh, Eflin comes in, hopefully can get back to where he was at the beginning of the season. And then even rotating five of of (laughs) whoever you want to go out there. Uh, Tonight is Chase Anderson, not going well. Um, But, you know, I, I, it's a good starting five. And I do think Kennedy is good enough, even though he's struggled so far as a fill.
0: Well, thank you for not mentioning Vinny Velasquez. I'm hoping we never see him again in the starting rotation. I don't even go any, any further with him. Hey, what happens when Freddie Galvis comes off the I.L.? Is he the starting shortstop? What about Ronald Torres, who's been great as a filling guy at second, short and third? What's going to happen with those guys and Didi?
3: Yeah. So the thing with Ronnie is that he is like a super role player. I just worry that if he plays every day, he's going to get overexposed and he's going to be, he's going to try to come something. He's not, like he is not an everyday player in my opinion. I think he's amazing at what he does. And he like, again, last night, the the big home run late in the game, that's kind of break that game open. Um, you know, honestly, I think they want Didi to be the shortstop. Um, and he has been swinging a little bit better recently. Um, you know, you can live with the defense if the offense is what it was last year where I thought he was their most consistent hitter. Um, but I think he's almost just a, a, a really good insurance plan. Didi talked the other day about how he still feels uh, uh, the, the side effects, I guess, from the pseudo-gout that he was struggling with. So, you know, if he needs a couple days from that, you know, rather than having Correa at a start, you have Freddie Galvis. Um, also, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if, if they try him out in center field. He's only played one game out there, but you know, I mean, he's athletic enough; he should be able to get the job done. Um, and odubal has been pretty bad for for two months here, so you know, if they don't, if they want to make Freddie play every day, the only way that it really happens is if uh, is if Oduble's out of the lineup. Because I do think they want Didi to get going, uh, but also, I mean, Joe. I mean, kind of calmed down a little bit with the double switches. It was out of control for a little bit there. Um, but if they want to use a, 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 an all-infield defense lineup late, they could put uh, Segura at second. They could put Freddie at short and Torres at third, and that gives you a pretty good infield defense.
1: Well, Jack, I got two things for you. One, uh, if you gave me a list of every available baseball player in the major leagues, the very last one I would have ever put back on my team is Freddie Galvis. Didn't like them the first time, like them <laughs> less this time.
2: Nice. I, I'm just
1: not a fan. Come just on. not a fan. Yeah, uh, I mean, listen, you know, Bill. You've heard this rant before. I well, know. no, moving on Moving on to something more constructive. The bullpen. Uh, where's it going? It looks like there's a lot of shuffling. Um, you know, Alvarado comes in to close last night. He scares me to death. Brogdon goes on the IL. I don't like that. Um, where what, is this thing going to settle itself out and what we're still at 25 blown saves, if we just save a couple, then we're we're running away with this thing.
3: yeah, I mean bill if he if he watches Bill's team, this bullpens never settled not um, not since oh eight so um you know i I think Kennedy's fine, um doesn't really wow me, and definitely nothing has suggested that. Um, in his first two appearances of Phil where he allowed two, two run home runs. So, uh, he fit right in, as we would say. Um, but you know, I think at least he, he does come in, throw strikes and whatnot. And you hope that he gets some guys out. Uh, I think Hector's actually throwing the ball much better recently. You know, I, I, Hector gives everyone a heart attack and I totally get it. Um, I think he's over, I think overall Hector's a good pitcher. It's just like he has those blow ups and it's just, it's just, it's hard to defend him. Um, so Hector's, I think he's been better. I cannot believe Alvarado won one, two, three last night. I think that was the upset of the season. It was the upset <laughs> of the season, in my opinion. Um, so him doing that Alvarado is just, you have no idea what you're going to get. <laughs> he, he could be the best reliever in the sport. He could be DFA worthy. So, um, and then I think Archie's been really good. Uh, Archie's back up to 97 the other night, which I didn't see coming. So I think he, uh, given his ability to pitch three days in a row that he showed, I think that's massive for this team, um, but really, those three I can trust on most nights. And then for me, it comes back to, to Bailey Falter. You know, when he can come back from um, COVID and whatnot, because he can kind of be what Ranger Suarez was before they put Ranger in the closest role, where he would just you know pitch three innings or two innings and, and take down the sixth, seventh inning. Sometimes when the game can be won or lost, and hopefully keep them in, in a ball game. So. Um, if Bailey Falter comes back and he was the Bailey Falter that we had seen uh, before he went on the COVID IL, um, I feel I feel pretty good about this bullpen.
0: Hey, Jack, I heard you say on WIP recently that you treat every Phillies game like an Eagles game. Mm-hmm. How exactly did you mean that? Because these last couple of years, I'm especially, I think you must have gone through either a lot of alcohol or a lot of antidepressants.
3: Yeah, <laughs> listen, I... Uh, I I, I just, I love them. I love them so much that I hate them sometimes. And uh, they drive me crazy and, and and whatnot. But, you know, obviously the Eagles are the main thing in this town. And, and I totally get that. But, like, every Phillies game, when they lose, hurts just as much as Eagles games for me. And I know a lot of people don't feel that way. Um, but it's how I am. I, I, I you know, I, unfortunately, I can't tell if it's fortunately or unfortunately, I grew up during the heyday. So yeah. I, I grew up thinking, oh, <laughs> the Phillies are fine. They're going to be good forever. Um, and then, you know, now I'm starting to realize why they're losing his franchise in the history of sports. <laughs> um, so, so I don't know. It, it's uh, it's just it's just how I'm wired. Uh, I played baseball my whole life. I, I love baseball and, uh, you know, everyone's got to have their niche and, and uh, I chose the Phillies.
1: Well, well, Jack. All things said and done, here we are—the first week of October, or oh, October, August. We're a game and a Not half yet. out of Not first. Game, miraculously, somehow, uh, they're going to win this thing.
3: I, uh, I can't trust them yet. I just can't. Like, I think they're playing better baseball, and I think, I think this is the best I felt about them since, I want to say, the Red Sox series before the All Star break. Um, and I, I feel good about them. It's just that I'm worried about the Braves a lot. And I know they, they're down Acuna and they lost Marquez, and they, they definitely lost a lot of pieces and they're not the same team, but they did add a couple guys to the deadline that make that lineup just better. And I just have this like existential dread that they're going to find a way to win this division. I just somehow, some way, like they're going to have, like, here's, if I could just, you know, call my shot here. The Phillies are in first place on Monday night. Uh, They will overtake the Mets. Everyone's going to be like, division, division, we're going to win the division. And the Braves are going to catch us somehow. And it's just going to turn out to be the worst. And and, and at some point, Freddie Freeman's going to get a backbreaking hit against us. The new Brian McCann. (laughs) And I just, I just, I can't shake the Braves. I can't shake the Braves. The Mets, I think, are, are definitely trending in the wrong direction. I mean, Javi Baez in his, like, fourth game as a Met maybe is, like, already trying to, you know, <laughs> fight other teams. Calm down, Javi. Um, and I just don't think they're playing good baseball. So, I think it's, I think it's Phil's and Braves at this point. Um, and I just – until I see it, I just I – can't, I can't be fully like, oh, they're going to 100% win the division.
0: Hey, well, looking ahead, are McCutcheon and Herrera both gone after this season? Do you think – what's the outfield going to look like next year?
3: That's a good question. Um, you know, uh, I think I think McCutchen's probably gone. Although if they wanted to bring him back on like a one-year deal, because I don't, they don't really have anyone that's like knocking down the door to be the left yeah. fielder next year. Um, but if Jalen Ortiz keeps keeps heating up, um, you never know. But he's not ready for next year either. But um, I think a double has to be gone. I mean, it's just like how many how many more years do we got to see this stuff? Like off the field, with standing, which obviously like I. I, I wouldn't even brought him back. I would have just got him on the spot, but whatever. he, he And he was hot for, uh, like, I don't know, three weeks, and then he went back to being a double, and people were, like, surprised by that. Um, so I, I hope he's gone. I, I, I don't want to see that guy play for the Phillies again. I mean, there was nothing more classic than on Friday night when Will Crow had already walked two guys in an inning, and the bases were loaded, and he goes up, he comes out hacking. It's like, come on. <laughs> Can we just be a little bit smarter so um I certainly hope he's gone there's there's a couple free agents like Mark Kanya is really interesting to me he's a uh plays outfit for the for the A's and he's a high OBP high run guy so um there are some free agents out there but honestly just getting McCutcheon's like 22 million off the books is going to be massive
1: Bill hey Jack I think Quietly, somewhere, as we're looking at all the problems that this team has, we have Bryce Harper close to 317, 18 home runs. He's, he doesn't have a whole lot of runs batted in. He's having one of the finest seasons that he's had, especially from a batting average standpoint. He's having a good year at the plate, and no one's really talking about it.
3: Yeah. And um Bryce is, I think this is a really fascinating Bryce season. And I wonder if it's going to be what we're going to kind of see for these next couple of years. Um, Because I I say that because his overall stats are good. Like obviously you want your guy to be a 300, 400, um, 500 guy. And he just tied the game up a little bit earlier, which is good to see. Uh, So he's starting to come through in clutch situations. But um, with Bryce, like the the, the defense, I think, is taking a massive step back. Um, Like, I mean, Friday night I thought was atrocious just how he was playing. Um And like kind of hitting the wall and, you know, going out very, or, you know, insinuating he's hurt already. Um, So that didn't really sit well with me. And then the base running stuff has just been atrocious. Um, like getting picked off on Sunday was insane. So at the plate, yeah, he's, I think he's been underrated. Obviously, some guys are having insane power years. Like Otani, what he's doing. Like is doing what Otani's doing with the power. We're talking about like everyone's melting down and freaking out. He just, he hasn't. He's, he's having a very good season, but the power hasn't totally been there. And then I just think about the big hits and like I, I, a couple of days ago, I looked it up and in late and close situations, which is seventh inning and on and you're either up by one down by one or tied. He is batting 222 with one homer. So, um, you know, I think, I think it kind of comes back to, he doesn't have any, he doesn't have that many big hits tied the game up tonight, which is great. Um, and I just think the defense and the base running and, and like the overthrowing of cutoff men for no reason just try to show off your arm i just feel like that kind of stuff is 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 getting in the way of people being like wow what an unbelievable Bryce year."
0: well jack uh, i want to make sure we have time for this uh with our first time guests we always play a little game of fast five at the end of the segment so i want to make sure we do that with you uh here we go you mentioned awesome. you played baseball your entire life Um, rumor has it you were a pretty good pitcher in high school Mm -hmm. and college. Take 20 or 30 seconds and tell us about your pitching
3: career. Uh, high school, I was dominant. I was, uh, off chess, my senior year. Um, 2-0 in the high school playoffs. Big game, Fritz is what I was called in my own head. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, everything went awry when I went to college. Uh, I played two years. I had a scholarship and I left the scholarship because I didn't think I was worth it because uh, I wasn't. And because uh, I wanted to focus on radio. So uh college career didn't go the way I had planned. Um, but I went to focus on radio. And I think it uh, I think it worked out pretty well.
0: Absolutely. Number two, you were at a uh, Philly's fantasy camp, I believe. Favorite memory of fantasy camp?
3: Ah, oh, I mean, just sitting there talking to L.A., Boa, uh, Morandini, um, Charlie, just listening to those guys talk about baseball. Like, the thing that frustrates me with a lot of baseball coverage is that it, it's gotten a little bit too nerdy for me. Like, it's just, it's like, you can't have a conversation about baseball without bringing up a guy's stats or whatever. Like, I just want to talk about what I see on the field. And honestly, so like, it was just nice talking to those guys. And because obviously they're not very big analytics people. Um, and I like analytics. I love analytics. I, I, I think they're important. It's just, it's nice to have a normal baseball discussion about what you're seeing with your eyes.
0: Number three, James Seltzer and I were both at PNC Park last Saturday. Unfortunately, I didn't know he was there till the next morning when I saw his tweets. Um, great park, as he's been saying. What is your favorite visiting baseball park?
3: Uh for me it's Wrigley. I went there for my bachelor party uh back in 2018. Um, and just unbelievable. Like like everyone's so into the game. Uh, it was packed. Um It was just, it was just like, this is, this is what baseball is, is supposed to be like, you know, the, the, the history, the fans, the surrounding the ballpark, there was like restaurants and stuff. And it's like, this is, this is baseball fandom. Number four,
0: best baseball movie. Sandlot.
3: It's Sandlot. It's always Sandlot. I love Sandlot. You know, as a kid growing up playing the game, it was like, that's just what I want to do all the time is, is, is Sandlot. And uh, the roller coaster, or the, uh, the Ferris wheel scene is always amazing. So I uh, I, I love Sam Yeah.
0: Number five, I heard you rave about parks and recreation last weekend. What are your three or four all-time favorite sitcoms?
3: Well, Seinfeld's the GOAT. Seinfeld is the, is the best. I mean, not even close. Um, I like Parks and Rec. Some people like The Office. And I love How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother, uh, for, I guess, the moderate you know, Seinfeld owned the nineties. I would take How I Met Your Mother in the 2000s, and then I'll take Parks and Rec 2010.
0: But shame on you for dissing friends. That's we gotta discuss that at some point. Uh, very uh. sorry. It's it's a very <laughs>
3: corny show. I, uh. I can't I can't get past that.
0: Bonus question. I believe you said you were a PBR guy in college. What is your go-to beer or beer type these days?
3: Well, I'm a big fan of uh Four Fingers Brewing Company, which is my family brewing company. So that with notwithstanding. Um <laughs> Honestly, like I haven't met a juicy IPA that I don't like, so <laughs> so whatever juicy beer I can get my hands on, I will uh I will take advantage of.
0: See, I set you up for the family plug there, and you got it in perfect. Oh,
3: listen, you're a total <laughs> pro, total pro, never doubted you.
0: Wrap it up, Bill.
1: Hey, uh, Jack, before we let you go, uh, speaking of plugs, uh, you have your own uh podcast. Tell us a little bit about that and where people can find that and listen to you, you and Seltzer. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's right. Me, me and James Seltzer, when he's not uh, doing Goat he he manages to come over and do a Phillies podcast as well. So uh, it's called High Hopes, the High Hopes podcast, obviously off of Harry and and High Hopes. And sure. uh, yeah, we just have fun. Kind of, it's kind of like our uh, it's kind of like our muse, you know. We can get away and just talk about baseball for like an hour and get really nerdy with it because you can't get too nerdy on on the radio sometimes. So we get to get into the nitty gritty on that. It's a lot of fun have a lot of inside jokes and make fun of how old seltzer is. Um, and uh, and yes. Yeah. no, 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 I would, I would never, I would never. Um, but yeah, so just anywhere you get your podcast, and then you can follow us uh, at High Focus Spot on Twitter. All right.
1: Sounds good. Well, Jack, we appreciate you coming by for the first time. Hopefully we can do it again.
3: No problem, guys. Anytime.
1: All right. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Right. Bill, go ahead. All right. Hey, Jack. Good stuff, my man. Great uh, great having Jack with us for uh, for the first time. And like I say, let's do it again with
0: him. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. So uh,
1: hopefully he'll come back again. I think he had a good time. All right. Well, hey, let's give a shout out to all the shows over at the Edge Philly Sports Network, where we are part of this episode being streamed live across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and now on Twitch. You can also catch all the action on www.eopsports.com. Helps out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons, and always share with your family and friends. Broad Street Bully Podcast, Lax Philly, Edge of Philly Sports Live with Joe, Freddie, and Big Al Cover 4 for 4. They have Milt Thompson with them uh, tonight at 9.30. You can watch them live. Also, um, chat. what else we have? Birds IQ and Patterson Avenue Fanatics with TK. Marks, James, Dave, Paul, and Damon every Saturday morning 9 a.m. Check them out. Hey, don't forget about Leslie Goodell and uh, her daughter Kendall having the One-Armed
0: Golf Challenge. That's coming up at the end of August, Monday, August 30th at White Marsh Valley Country Club in Lafayette Hill. Uh, Great to have Leslie back on the show with us last week, and she told us all about it. You can get all the specifics at kendalscrusade.org. Great to have Leslie on. As I said, great to meet uh, her daughter, Kendall, a few years ago at Kevin Riley and Dick Vermeule's golf event. So that was awesome. Support them,
1: kendalscrusade.org. All right, Bill. All right. Where we go? Hey, great great guest tonight, Ian Super, Bill Bradley and Jack Fritz. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday?
0: Well, Bill, we will once again have two guests next week. However, the first one is not confirmed just yet, so I'm going to hold off on announcing that one. The second one, though, is something of a follow-up to our recent chat with Leslie Goodell about the name image license thing with college athletes. We will have a visit from Washington Post reporter Travis Andrews, he looks like a Washington Post guy, doesn't he? Uh, He's going to talk about a very interesting thing that many athletes are doing now that they're allowed to make a little money. Yeah, it is the NIL thing. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. I promise you that. I've talked to Travis already, and he's quite an interesting guy and has a lot of good thoughts about that. We will also, of course, see where things stand with the Phillies. Maybe they'll be in first place by then. Maybe they'll be in third behind the Mets and Braves. Who knows? Eagles and Sixers talk as well. The Sixers making lots of moves. Ben Simmons, still a Sixer. Never a shortage of things to talk about, Bill.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that NIL thing, Jed's really blowing up. Uh, You know, we had our first guy. Uh, committed to Ohio State. He's going to leave high school early. He's going to skip his senior year to go play at Ohio State so he can get paid, so he can make money. Uh, Uh, It'll be interesting to see how this all goes.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Keep an eye on this for the next few years. It's going to be very interesting.
1: Absolutely. How about a parting shot for you tonight?
0: yeah bill as as we discussed with bill bradley his former teammate harold carmichael will long overdue finally be inducted into the pro football hall of fame in canton this weekend big harold six foot eight and i'm really happy for him harold out of william raines high school in jacksonville played college ball as a walk-on at Southern University. He played wide receiver, four years worth, and get this, he never once led the team in receptions, any of those four years, go figure. He was a seventh-round draft pick by the Eagles after an Uneventful rookie season, then he really got it going, second and especially third season when he led the league in catches. He played 13 years with the Birds, catching passes in a then-record 127 consecutive games. When he retired, he was number six on the NFL's all-time receptions list with 590. How was he not voted in the Hall of Fame before now? I digress. Still today, 40 years later, Carmichael is the Eagles' leader in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. He's made four Pro Bowls. He is in several halls of fame already, including state halls in both Florida and Louisiana, the Black College Football Hall of Fame, the Eagles Hall of Fame, even our little Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. We put him in there in 2018. And now finally, the big one, he's going to Canton, the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend, and a super guy too. So congratulations, Harold Carmichael.
1: Yeah, and don't forget uh when you're talking about Jacksonville Rains High School uh Chet, that is also the high school of one Brian Dawkins. You know it.
0: That is correct, Bill.
1: Uh, all right. Let's uh let's wrap it up unless you get anything else.
0: Yeah, we didn't get to talk much about the Sixers. They've made some moves. Uh, you know, Howard's gone. Um Joel Embiid's buddy, Andre Raymond, becoming a Sixer. That ought to be interesting. George Hill wave Furcon's coming back. We'll have plenty more to talk about that in the next few weeks and maybe some Ben Simmons noobs. the Olympics, uh, still going on USA winning a lot of medals. That's good ratings down though, about 45% from the 2016 Rio games. I don't know if it's the pandemic or what, but, uh, go USA wrap it up, Bill.
1: All right. And, uh, you mentioned guests, Bill, super bill, Bradley, Jack Fritz, great guests again tonight. Sponsors, we want to thank them, our Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chet this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August 11th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com as well as all the Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. With that, high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go Phils! Ah!